Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. And you can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often the Chicago way using the hashtags for today, Nonprofit U, OPL, or Community Benefits Agreements. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You will find a link to open the account on the page for this episode, and you can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 20-minute mark or so, perhaps 30 the call-in number is area code 347-884-8121. Again, that number is area code 347-884-8121. Today's topic is the People's OPL. We'll be talking about the Obama Presidential Library and discuss issues surrounding authentic community engagement and inclusion community benefits agreements, and the work of the Obama Presidential Library Southside Community Benefits Agreement Coalition. We've extended our podcast by about 15 minutes, and we encourage you to call in with questions at about the 20 or 30-minute mark, depending on how the discussion goes. And you can start posting in the chat room and emailing questions right now. Again, my email address is consulting at ValerieSLeonard.com. And if you want to participate in the live chat, you must open an account, and the link is found on the episode page. The call-in number again is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is area code 347-884-8121. We're especially looking for activists, nonprofit and community development professionals. Call in and share your war stories and your strategies, most importantly. We have three guests today. We have attorney Allegra Sarah Fisher. She is a staff attorney with the Law Project. The Law Project is the community development project of the Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, and Allegra's focus at TLP is on equitable and inclusive development. She works with coalitions of nonprofit organizations in negotiations with developers to secure benefits for surrounding communities, and this includes commitments to build affordable housing, hire local residents, and pay livable wages, among other investments important to Chicago neighborhoods and their residents. We also have with us Tawanza Malone. He is the executive director for the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, better known as COCO, on Chicago's south side. COCO is one of the oldest membership-based grassroots community organizations in Chicago that is dedicated to serving low-income and working families. COCO was founded in 1965 and has a dual approach to community engagement through both community organizing and social service delivery. COCO's organizing focus is directed towards equitable education, affordable housing, youth investment, and senior engagement. Finally, we have Dominic Soraya. Dominic grew up in Singapore as well as Texas and Michigan. He's an organizer with Prayer and Action Coalition, I'm sorry, Collective, of the Obama Library CBA Coalition. He's also the co-founder of the University of Chicago Progressive Catholics, or PROCAT, and he's a board member of Grace Center Ministries. He studies gender in the U.S. Catholic Church, and as an undergrad at the University of Chicago Divinity School, He'll be graduating in June, and he wants our listening audience to know that he'd be very, very interested in learning about any job 
opportunities that you have for the next year. So I want to say thank you so much, guys, for joining us. And before we get started, can you go around the table and tell us what brings you to this work with the Obama Presidential Library? And Allegra, we'll start with the lady. We'll start with you first. Thank you, Valerie. Um, so I started, I joined uh, the Law Project about a year ago. We received some new funding to focus on equitable development efforts, and we had heard from a lot of our clients and other stakeholders that legal advice and representation in uh, community benefits agreements was something that was um, wanted and needed out in communities around Chicago, and so that's how we started doing this work. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. Jawanza. Sure. Well, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, as an organizer with COCO, I worked with a coalition of community and labor groups to mm -hmm. develop a community benefits agreement as a part of Chicago's bid for the 2016 Summer Olympic Games. And okay. the concern there uh, was that in every prior Olympic game, people were removed from their communities and were unable to benefit from the investments mm -hmm. that were made in their name. And COCO didn't want that to happen here with the Olympics. Uh, back then, and we certainly don't want the same thing to happen with the Obama Presidential Center today. Uh, and so mm -hmm. community benefits have been found to be the best way that communities around the world have been able to hold developers accountable to the communities where they seek to build. And I, I just got to say that for us, this isn't about whether the we trust the first black president to do the right thing. Uh, this is simply mm -hmm. about business. Uh, so every business transaction that's made in this country is bound by a contract, and we think that this should be no different. And so we're just suspicious of people who will have us negotiate a business deal without any legal protection of a contract. Okay, great. Dominic. Sure, I would echo everything uh, Jawanza and Allegra said. Uh, pragmatically, the Prayer and Action Collective is much younger than the other two organizations, but we've been around since 2014, the heyday of the uh, campaign for a trauma center at my university. And we've been successful with that. We continue to work on that. But we have worked with uh, the lead coalition members from that effort, Jawanza's COCO, as well as STOP, South Fight Together Organizing for Power, now on mm -hmm. this uh, other issue that's really uh, relevant to us, certainly as South Fighters and as students at this extremely privileged institution uh, where Obama taught, where Obama, uh, you know, made his connection between, you know, being South Sider and being a real power player. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So we've all heard bits and pieces over the last couple of years about how the Obama Presidential Library would be an economic engine for the local community. Dominic, can you give us a description of the scope of this project? And for those of us who haven't followed the project, it would be really helpful if you can give us some details, such as the location, how large the library will be, and all that good stuff. Sure. So as I mentioned, the uh, location is important to the role of uh, university students and the many people who are impacted by the university. Uh, the University of Chicago brought the library to Jackson Park. So it will be on the south side, and it will take up about 20 acres of what was public parkland and is now, mm -hmm. uh, through negotiations uh, that happened a while ago with the city in the hands of the private Obama Foundation, the library itself is roughly a $500 billion, sorry, million dollar project. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fundraising effort going into uh, that and its maintenance over time is going to be, uh, by new estimates, up to $1.5 billion. So to put that in a bit of perspective, uh, the last campaign that Prayer and Action Collective worked on around trauma care was about one-tenth uh, that amount of money. And that was a historic wow. campaign. The uh, Anderson Economic Group worked with the university when the university was trying to make a case for bringing the library to the south side. 
and it said that uh, I want to say 1,900 jobs would be permanently created, uh, mm-hmm. 100,000 visitors would come every year who wouldn't otherwise come to Chicago, many other promising numbers. It's worth noting that that study uh, has uh, not been shared despite our best efforts with anyone in the community, and also the study was part of the bid to bring the library to the South Side. But even if the numbers are inflated, uh, they're still really big, and it's really important that we make sure that this is a make moment instead of a break moment for the South Side. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you so much, Dominic. And can you also tell us more about the Obama Presidential Library Southside Community Benefits Agreement Coalition and your guiding development principles? And I know I keep adding Obama, but um, I think people know that we're talking about the Presidential Library. Sure. So when we talk about the coalition, we have Mm -hmm. six areas that the uh, want to make sure a community benefits agreement covers. Uh, economic development is certainly one of them. That's the one that uh, the institutions that we are working with, the city, the university, and the foundation, uh, will talk a lot about. But we really want to make sure that uh, this you know, supports employment as well, education, especially around the public school system, has been mm-hmm. going through a lot of stress here in Chicago lately. Housing. Displacement is a concern that motivates a lot of residents. Transportation. For instance, we want the number one bus route back. And finally, sustainability. So you may have heard of Naomi Davis, who leads one of our uh, founding coalition organizations, Bronzeville Regional mm-hmm. Collective. She's been really yeah. helpful in bringing together possibilities around uh, the larger uh, environmental development from the Obama Library. And we hope this uh, network of uh, principles for a community benefits agreement are worked out with certainly the Obama Foundation, but also, as I've mentioned, the University of Chicago, and uh, perhaps most importantly, the city of Chicago and related entities like the Park District. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Dominic. Okay, I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're here speaking with members of the Obama Library CBA Coalition, and CBA stands for Community Benefits Agreement. We have extended our normal podcast by 15 minutes, and we'll be taking questions from our listening audience as well as from our chat room within about 10 minutes or so. So if you have any questions, the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And I see that there are a couple other callers on the line. So if you have any questions, I will be calling on you very shortly to see if you have any questions. So, Jawanza, what are some of the main issues and why should we in Chicago as a whole, why should we care? Well, that's a great question, and um, really gets to the heart of the matter. Where we're talking about, as Dominic said, anywhere between 20 and 21 acres of public land. Now, for the average mm-hmm. dweller, it may not be exactly clear what that means, but we're talking about millions of square feet of property. And so when that land in Jackson Park, which is heavily utilized by community residents of all ages, uh, and we're going to lose that tremendous asset that sits directly across the street from High Park Career Academy, uh, provides an athletic field for youth sports leagues, I mean families hold their family reunions, barbecues, et cetera, in that parcel of land. It is used virtually year-round. Anybody who's familiar with that part of land is right by the uh, Museum of Science and Industry, uh, is considered or called the inner drive. Uh, people drive past it almost any time you drive past there, you're going to see people utilizing that land. 
And so the question mm-hmm. I have and that people here that's part of the coalition have is what's going to come back into the community as a result of this gift to a private corporation? And we have to be clear that this is not some thank you that we're giving to President Obama. This is property that's worth millions of dollars that is being mm-hmm. donated at a cost to the people who take advantage of this public good because of, of a proposal that was written by the University of Chicago and supported by the city of Chicago. And so just at first blush, I mean, we have to remind ourselves or ask the question, answer the question, just when was the last time the university or the city has helped low-income and working families just out of the goodness of their own hearts? And so what (laughs) we need is a community benefits agreement to protect the people in this community from what historically happens whenever large-scale developments come in. You have poor people who are displaced and never benefit from the use of their taxpayer dollars. You know, our money, the, the irony here is that oftentimes is our money, our taxpayer mm-hmm. dollars, that's used to remove us from the land where we've lived for generations, where we were raised, where we raised our families, and have struggled against the odds to be able to make it. And so the question is, how is that right? That is a very good question, very good question. And then I guess similarly, you know, Marty Nesbitt, he's the chairman of the Obama Foundation. He has reiterated time and time again, you know, we don't really need a community benefits agreement because the entire project in and of itself is a benefit to the community. And then there are other leaders, you know, such as Dr. Byron Brazier, he opposes the idea of a CBA or a community benefits agreement because, you know, he says we should trust the Obamas. They will always do right for the community. But I know that you guys beg to differ, and why do you think it's necessary to have a community benefits agreement when, you know, there are so many high-profile leaders who, who are against it? So the parkland that we're talking about, that, again, I just want to reiterate, is basically being donated uh, to the foundation, (laughs) Mm -hmm. has an approximate value. You know, we can't get the real numbers on this, but if you look at property values in that part of town, by square footage, that land is valued somewhere around $90 million. Wow. So what could the city of Chicago do with $90 million? Now, that doesn't even include the millions of dollars in profit that real estate speculators and developers are going to gain through the increased property values in the area. You know, you have a new amenity like a presidential center, things are going to go up a little bit. That also doesn't include any of the profit that's going to come to collateral businesses that's going to pop up in the area to serve the presidential center. We're talking about hotels, restaurants, parking facilities, you'll notice that discussion around parking facilities is conspicuously absent from the conversation, right? Wow. Um, gift shops, et cetera. So where is our share of that, you know, 100, let's just say $100 million that's going to land in our community? And why won't the University of Chicago release their economic impact study? What's in it? What does it really say? And so the mm. jobs and contracts, are just one piece of the puzzle. We need to talk about revenue sharing. We need to talk about a number of different things. And the reality here is that we're talking about a major real estate deal that we're mm-hmm. being kept in the dark about. So similarly, why did it take a portion, and I want to reemphasize just a portion, of Mayor Emanuel's emails to be made public before we found out he was negotiating a redevelopment of the golf, golf course in Jackson Park? Right, so we're talking about the Obama Library, but there's other plans for Jackson Park that we aren't being being privy to. And so what's happened is that Jackson Park has gained the attention of the world, and Mm -hmm. everybody is attempting to cash in on it. But when we seek to take advantage of this new opportunity, we're told just trust them. Trust the president, (laughs) and to ask for a benefits agreement is insulting. I think that what's happening where people who have lived and worked in that community for generations 
who are being kept in the dark, I think that's what's insulting. Yes, yes, yes. Now, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't heard any talk about the infrastructure that's going to be required. I, I remember the discussion with the Olympics. You know, they typically spoke about, you know, the development costs for the venue, but they steered clear about talking about infrastructure, which is really where the taxpayer dollars come in, you know, the the roads, the sewers, curbs and gutters and all those improvements that make it necessary. So I, I think you're right to be really curious, and I hadn't heard anything about implementation. So I'm pretty sure implementation is part of those discussions that we're not hearing about, and I, you know, I would be really interested to hear more about that myself. And just one more thing quickly, Valerie. You know, during the Olympics, uh, there were, people might remember, there were a couple of community hearings that were, were held. One was at the okay. South Shore Cultural Center. As right. part of their uh, presentation, they talked about, I, I want to say it was like $750 million, whatever the amount was. I don't quite remember the exact amount now. But it was taxpayer dollars that was insuring the bid. So mm-hmm. taxpayer dollars were being used to ensure that were Chicago to win the bid, everything would go off without a hitch. If was there was the a problem, taxpayers... Was that at the state level, Jalanza? Was that at the state level? City level. $100 million. Okay, because I think that... A, the state level, they were talking about $100 million or something? That was in addition to what the okay, city the was city. securing. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're talking about a lot of money. And so when we see sort of what's happening now with the Michael Reese property, where, again, taxpayers are on the hook to, to pay this money back that was borrowed, we really have to think critically about these large-scale developments that are, again, being proposed in our name that we don't have any say in. And so when we think about just the broad scale of this development Mm -hmm. and all the different communities and transportation systems and just everything, right, that's going to be impacted, Mm -hmm. Where is wow. the taxpayer dollars going to be brought in? And how much of it are we going to be on the hook for? And this isn't, I just also want to make clear, I'm not saying that Chicago or the South Side should not be home for the presidential center. What I am mm-hmm. saying is there needs to be greater transparency and accountability because this thing is coming here. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So thanks for that. And I want to just back up for just a minute and ask Allegra. You know, Allegra is with the Law Project. Uh, can you let us know how you're defining community benefits agreement, you know, because that term is used differently by different people, and also how have these agreements been used in the past? Absolutely, Valerie. So I think that's right. You'll hear different individuals use the term CBA or Community Benefits Agreement. Um, And oftentimes different people mean different things by that. So as as attorneys, um, we at the Law Project and the Chicago Lawyers Committee view a CBA um, as a binding agreement between a developer and a community. And so Mm -hmm. it's a a project-specific contract between um, an entity that's going to be developing land and ideally a a broad community coalition um, that's going to detail the contributions um, of the development to the community and also ensures community support for that project. So the community is agreeing Mm -hmm. to support that project when a developer is making certain commitments to do local hiring, to pay livable wages, to um, perhaps set aside units of affordable housing when we're thinking about housing developments um, beyond the city-required minimums. And they've been used... um, largely in California, some in New York, and some in a a few other parts of the country um, 
over the past 20 years, um, they've really um, come into come into more common usage, especially like I said in California, where the Staples Center Community Benefits Agreement was one of the first, and still is lauded as one of the strongest community benefits agreements that was put in place, negotiated by a broad coalition of organizations, um, in re- with regard to a large mixed-use development that was adjacent to the Los Angeles Staples Center that involved housing and retail and commercial and um, all kinds of other uses as well. And so um, a big component of community benefits agreements is it's not just getting the initial agreement, but then part of the agreement is for monitoring of local hiring, mm-hmm. of of all of the deliverables to make sure that the developer um, is complying and is uh, doing what they said they would do, which is, again, why we believe that these agreements need to be in writing and that they need to be legally binding. Um, again, as, as Joanza mentioned, the accountability um, is a really big piece of, of community benefits agreements. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Allegra, what's the status now of any proposed community benefits agreement between the OPL and the community? Absolutely. So at this point, um, the coalition has done, did an amazing job of putting together the guiding principles that Dominic referenced earlier um, around affordable housing, around employment, around economic development and education, um, sustainability, you know, replacement of that, of that parkland that's going to be used, and as well as around mm-hmm. transportation. Um, and that was done in a very collaborative, transparent, thorough process with um, several hundred community residents coming together over a series of meetings. And so that is a working document that we are now honing and going to, I'm providing some support to the coalition so that we can um, determine um, which of each of the asks um, are are for the city, are for the University of Chicago, or would be for the Obama Foundation, um, because there mm-hmm. are certain components that are more of a, um, a municipal um, program type of structure. Um, there are mm-hmm. other components that would be directly within the control of the Obama Foundation, such as a lot of the hiring um, and a lot of the employment pieces that we're looking at. Um, so at this point, we are further honing based on what the community drafted to come up with um, specific proposals, as I said, for each of those three parties, for the city of Chicago, for the University of Chicago, as well as, of course, for the Barack Obama Foundation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are we looking at one document or are we looking at three documents that are going to be managed by the coalition? So ultimately, um, it, it would it would need to be three documents um, with each mm-hmm. of the parties that are responsible signing each of those agreements. However, mm-hmm. we you know we do envision it as really one overarching agreement that could come and you know take the form of a memorandum of understanding that all of the parties sign mm-hmm. on to to reflect the spirit of the agreement um, once that is finalized. Oh, wow. This sounds very complex, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the end will be. And I I really think that if you pull it off, it might be groundbreaking. I don't remember reading about anything so complex. It is complex, and it's it's also very exciting. So it definitely will be groundbreaking. Okay. Thanks, Allegra. Uh, there are some people who argue that we should let the aldermen and the city negotiate a redevelopment agreement and just call it a day. And those are standard agreements between the city and the developer with standard language that typically is drafted by the city. So what's the difference between a redevelopment agreement and a CBA, and why do you prefer the CBA as opposed to or in addition to the redevelopment agreement? Absolutely. So... A community benefits agreement, as I said before, is a private contract between the developer and uh, a group of private, you know, nonprofit, usually nonprofit organizations that form a coalition. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it is a contract that is legally binding, so it could be enforced uh, in, in a court of law if needed, and it gives a private right of action to 
those community groups and um, organizations that sign on to it, um, which is not the case with a redevelopment agreement. With a redevelopment agreement, that's an agreement between the city and the developer. And in some cases, in, in the best cases, sometimes redevelopment agreements will take uh, what we would term, you know, community benefits um, into consideration, and, and a city will actually require uh, developers to um, meet certain uh, requirements in terms of local mm-hmm. hiring and set-asides. And depending on um, where funding is coming from in the city of Chicago, some redevelopment agreements may, you know, have some of those requirements already, but we really see mm-hmm. those as an absolute floor. And so community benefits agreements secure additional um, additional benefits for the community that are more reflective of the community's wants and needs and um, are negotiated by community members to, again, provide that transparency and accountability. And so really a, a community benefits agreement itself, um, while you know, we always hope for the, the support of our elected officials um, in a, in a true CBA, a private CBA, um, an elected official would not be signing, um, nor would a, a um, yeah, when you're talking about a, a private uh, CBA mm-hmm. with a developer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just for clarification, when you say a redevelopment agreement being a floor, what, what is it that you mean by that? Sure. What I mean is that, so for example, um, the... City of Chicago has a what's known as the Affordable Requirements Ordinance, where uh, developers that receive um, any type of subsidy or purchase of public land are required to set aside a certain number of units if they're building housing um, as affordable housing, and and or pay into a, a fund in lieu of of designating affordable units, and so. The requirements actually are are quite low. Um, It's better Mm -hmm. than nothing, but if you're looking Mm -hmm. at a development and the way it may potentially displace long-term residents and small businesses and have other impacts on a community that can really have a ripple effect, a long-term effect, um, we want to see additional additional affordable housing um, requirements put in place, um, for example, Mm -hmm. or additional local hiring or more targeted hiring from, for example, mm-hmm. hard-to-employ populations um, put in place. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you say floor, you're saying at a very bare minimum, realizing right. that you know you want to go a you little bit more. You can build from there, right? It's not, okay. it's not one or the other. It's you know that's great that we have a floor for some projects that are happening in the city, but we want to we want it to increase. I gotcha. I gotcha. Thank you so much. Okay, now, I want to remind. Okay. I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're speaking with members of the Obama Library CBA Coalition. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience as well as our chat room right now. And if there are no questions, we'll just continue with our discussion. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347 347- Eight eight four eight one two one. I see that we have a couple callers who have been listening, but I'm not sure if they have comments. So I'm going to ask caller at area code seven seven three two three six three two two nine. You've been listening. I'm wondering if you have any comments, any questions. Hello. Okay, there are no comments or questions from this caller. I will try our next caller. I'll try our caller at area code 773 If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please do so. Um, share your name and your, your question, please. Okay. Uh, I do have a comment and a question. Okay. Uh, Okay, first comment is one the amount is over seven hundred million that's being invested in this library. And second observation, it's not just the Jackson Park community that's immediately impacted by this, but it's also mm-hmm. Woodlawn and uh uh Washington Park. So the three communities are gathered to make absolutely certain that our voices are heard. 
And, um, you know, but I also want to add to the mix that they're also repairing this uh, Garfield station at uh, 55th and Prairie for the second time mm-hmm. in less than eight years for an additional $100 million. That's about a billion dollars coming into the community. Uh, and, and I know that had the um, Olympics been here, a lot of people would have been displaced. I know that with the uh, Obama Library not being in Washington Park, there was a considerable investment on the part of the University of Chicago that was not satisfied. So we're not necessarily dealing with a situation that is in our best interest. So we need organizations and people like this uh, early and often confronting confronting this situation so that it does benefit the community. There's a billion dollars. It's a lot of investment. It's a lot of jobs. It's a lot of opportunity. And if we are really the stakeholders, we cannot be left out. My question is how connected are you to the organizations and, and the uh, panels that are discussing this. Uh, and this would go to uh first person I would want to address that question to would be Geronda Malone and the second to Allegra because I, I think you might have been at one of the first initial meetings from the coalition. So, you know, my question is, uh, where have we gone so far in terms of getting the attention of the Obama Library uh, that this is vital and this is important. So in response to your question, and thank you for the question, I think that um, you know, one of my colleagues might have said that what we're looking at is really all three parties, the City of Chicago, the University of Chicago, and the Obama Foundation, uh, all three saying that they do not see need for a benefits agreement. And so there has been a set of meetings that have taken place already with two of the three. Uh, we're still waiting to get the third meeting scheduled uh, to begin negotiation. We have not entered a point where there is any good faith negotiation, uh, again, from any of those three parties. Now, you mm-hmm. have... Uh, them making statements and claims about uh, what they intend to bring to the to the community, but again, without a contract, there is no guarantee that we're going to see any of those benefits that are being promised. Right. Okay, and this so is Allegra. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to add that, um, yes, as, as Joanza said, we've the coalition has met with the University of Chicago and um, with the Obama Foundation, and um, I was present at the Obama Foundation meeting. It was very positive. Um, we, we had a nice long meeting with them, um, and it was productive, and we look forward to continued discussions. And, and I will also just say that community benefits ag- agreements campaigns and can go on really for for years. I mean, I don't know of any that have been very rapid negotiations. So it is it is a lot about the organizing, um, which has been ongoing for for some time now, um, and a lot about sort of baby steps um, towards that ultimate goal of an agreement. Mm-hmm. So things are moving in the right direction. And we have a milestone, you know, coming up that we'll have urgency mm-hmm. with the beginning of the construction of the library late next year. And the library is, you know, supposed to open in the early 2020s. So that's our timeline more concretely. Okay. So you will probably have more leverage as you get closer to that very first milestone. Okay. So, Juwanza, you've had some experience in the past working in Washington Park with the coalition who negotiated the Olympic MOU. Can you share with us some of the lessons that you've learned from that experience and how you're using that experience to negotiate with the Obama Foundation? Sure. Uh, It really goes back to the question from the caller uh, that we just had. I would say the biggest lesson is that Power can seize nothing without a demand. It never has, it never will. Uh, when we you know, first sat down 
again, to Allegra's point, when we first sat down with Pat Ryan, who was the chair of Chicago's bid committee, uh, the founder of the Aon Corporation, and mm-hmm. Mayor Daley, uh, we were told by both of them that they would not sign a community benefits agreement. Uh, there were people, all sorts of people, who were sent to us to convince us that a benefits agreement was not the way to go. Uh, more people were sent to us as we continued to gain traction to water down what it was that we were asking for. And nearly three years later, we had a signed city ordinance calling for community benefits. And so the mm-hmm. reality is that as long as we're able to stick together and not allow people to convince us we don't deserve to be taken seriously, that our communities don't deserve to be respected, that we can accomplish anything we set our minds to, in short. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, Dominic, I know we touched on this in, you know, just in the past couple minutes, but, you know, more directly, can you share the status of your negotiations with the foundation to date? Sure. We met with um uh, I don't want to say in the middle of last month. Mm-hmm. As Allegra mentioned, it was a long meeting. And I think we as a coalition are keen to be very careful about meetings because we know that at stake here is the reputation of this foundation and the legacy of the first black president. And we mm-hmm. want to make sure that when we meet, we are not meeting uh, to affirm language about community benefits. We are meeting to bring actual community benefits to the south side of Chicago and the people who made Barack Obama who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the meeting was cordial. Uh, the meeting was frustrating insofar as it predictably didn't end with more commitment to a community benefits agreement. Instead, we you know, encountered a familiar mm-hmm. invitation to something like an MOU, a memorandum of understanding without community benefits agreement, an MOU uh, not having the same opportunities for negotiation and legal recourse for failure to deliver promised benefits. You know, I recall there being particular uh, parts of our development principles for content of a CBA that we got affirmation around. Uh, one, I recall, around connection between public libraries and the presidential library as a private entity, as an entity connected to the Federal National Archives. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the negotiation process will really begin meaningfully when the foundation as well as the, and the university commit to uh, putting whatever we negotiate into a community benefits agreement. So let's remember, we're sort of in meta-negotiations meta right now, that it's to say we're, we're negotiating, mm-hmm. or we're trying to negotiate <laughs> around the possibility of negotiating for a CBA. And as Allegra said okay. a while ago, once we get a CBA, then we have to you know, enforce it and so forth and so forth. So as Jawanza said, this is really about uh, sticking together as a coalition and as a South Side community. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So finally, Allegra, if members of our listening audience are are interested in trying this at home, that is negotiating a community benefits agreement on projects in their own community, how can they get started? Sure. So I think that one of the greatest hallmarks of of a successful CBA campaign is to start with a really strong base of in terms of building your coalition. So the most important thing, first and foremost, is not necessarily the legal work. It's really the organizing work. Um, And so that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I'm so honored and proud to be partnering with this um, Obama Library CBA coalition because they've really put the work in up front and and continue to build upon that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's so important. So I would say to to organizations, to communities interested in having a negotiation with um, a developer or any entity that is going to be um, coming into your community, you know, it's really important to to build that network and to stick together. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, great. So we've come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank the members of the Obama Library CBA Coalition for being guests today. And before we go, I'd like to go around the table, so to speak, and ask each one of you, you know, give us your name, share any parting thoughts, and tell our listening audience how they can get involved in this work and how they can reach you and stay in touch. Sure, I can start. Uh, I want to plug the uh, opportunity for our listeners, people listeners know on the South Side, people who are just interested to speak up around this issue on April 18th. On a Tuesday in a few weeks, mm-hmm. we will have a town hall at the Hyde Park Academy High School on 62nd and Stony. And if you go to our website, obamacba.org, you can see information about that. And we are also on Twitter. And if you're interested in getting involved beyond the town hall that I just mentioned, uh, those websites or accounts have emails uh, where you can reach each of us individually and uh, become part of this wonderful process. Okay, so your email address, Dominic? Mine is uh, Dominic Surya at uchicago.edu. So D O M I N I C S U R Y A at uchicago.edu. Okay, and people should contact you with respect to questions about the coalition itself. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So there are coalition mm-hmm. emails on obamacba.org, and I can also, you know, just help you find the right person in this complex mm-hmm. coalition. I oversee yes, nothing yes. in particular, you know, myself. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty, and then Allegra. Yes. So uh, I am a staff attorney with the Law Project, which is the community development project of the Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. And as a as a larger organization, the Chicago Lawyers Committee provides. Uh, counsel um, to individuals on a broad range of issues from education equity to fair housing to voting rights. Um, And at the Law Project, we provide free legal services to small businesses and nonprofit organizations and coalitions. So if your organization um, is interested in having someone to come speak about the possibility of a community benefits agreement or other equitable development agreement, um, you can get in touch with me at tlp at thelawproject.org, or you can go on our website, which is thelawproject.org. Um, and also, if, if you're a small business entrepreneur, if you're a nonprofit organization who needs assistance with more traditional legal matters that are not litigation, so anything from um, contract drafting, purchasing or leasing real estate, employment question, employment law questions about your, your obligations to your employees or contractors, um, or startup questions. Um, for small businesses, nonprofits, and social enterprises, you can get in touch with us. Okay, great. And then finally, Kwanza. Jawanza, I'm sorry. You, you see where my mind is. I call you Kwanza. Jawanza, forgive me. Please, please. I would just reiterate the call uh, for people to attend our town hall meeting at High Park Career Academy on the 18th at 6 p.m. I mean, this mm-hmm. works is really the culmination of hundreds of residents mm-hmm. coming together, sharing what they feel the community needs, uh, again, mm-hmm. in response to this donation, uh, this public good. And we want to continue to gather the input of hundreds more as we seek to enter negotiations with the University of Chicago, City of Chicago, and the Barack mm-hmm. Obama Foundation. Uh, this fight is all of our fight. It's not just the benefit mm-hmm a single church or a nonprofit, but to really benefit all the communities that are going to be impacted. As the caller said, this is really broader than just one single community. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know we got to go, but what do you say to the folks? You know, I, I'm a West Sider. If I come down there nine times out of ten, I'm going to have something to say. I've got very vocal friends from the North Side. 
what how do you respond to critics who say, Well, you guys are just interlopers, you know, this is a South Side thing, this is a regional thing. How dare you come into our community and tell us how to run our community? Valerie, I think the fact of the matter that historically um, the African community, African American community in particular, has been largely disenfranchised by the mm-hmm. large power players. And mm-hmm. us to have the opportunity to come together as a community, regardless of which part of land uh, we may reside, I think is critical. It mm-hmm. is paradigm shifting. It is not what those who would oppose what we seek to do would expect. To be able to have a coalition that stretches across the city calling for rights to be done in a specific part of the city, I think is just the beginning for us. And it's the right beginning. I think is as we pay more attention to what's happening to all of our communities, our city overall is better off. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, and with that, I really think we need to go. We, we've extended our time, but I, I think this has been time well spent. And I want to say thank you so much again to our guest. We had Jawanza Malone. He's the executive director of COCO. We have Dominic Sharia. He is an organizer, particularly as it relates to the faith community with the Obama Library CBA Coalition. And then we also have Allegra Sarah Fisher. She is with the Law Project. She's a staff attorney, and also the Law Project is a partner with Nonprofit U, and we, we thank them very much for the support that they've shown so to our listening audience, I want to thank you for listening to Nonprofit U Blog Radio Talk Show today. This episode will be available for download within about an hour, and be sure to tune in next week for a discussion on the Jane Addams Hull House Museum's upcoming discussion on equitable community development and bridging the divide between the South and West Sides. So until then, take care. Bye-bye.